Hey, greetings. Happy Thursday. Oh my God, it's Tuesday. I'm anxious for the week to get over. So let's just put it this way. Welcome to Macro to Micro Power Hour. I'm Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com. And I am very glad to be joined by Jonathan Gibbons. We're going to bring him in right now and we're going to talk. Oh yeah, raising his hand. Uh, we're going to talk about the market that is finally a two-way market. Very exciting. And um, basically what we have for micro action because macro's dead it's just you know bitcoin took over all right here is jonathan we have right here we just kind of do a little housekeeping first and foremost so this is my tuesday macro to micro power hour jonathan gibbons of vigtech io where we're going to talk options matrix and risk indicators and all kinds of market structure that we can glean from uh activity under the surface and then once this is over I will be posting this webinar and interview on my Leduc trading YouTube channel so you can find it just scroll down here it is macro to micro power hour um, I also put some insights in there once in a while featured presentations women in trading and finance series um, and risk indicators which yay they are working great I really like how they spied some of this action very early on and with that, I'm going to stop sharing and say, hey, Jonathan. What's going on? Oh, my God. I thought it was Thursday. <laughs> I know. I heard it. <laughs> we have a two-way market. You called it. You were like, you uh, You know, I, I knew when you um, uh, <laughs> when you sent me the, the, the message, you know, um, you know, broke macro. I was like, sure enough. Sure enough. Murphy's Law. I you're really. Gonna, you're going you're gonna to see it. You're going to see it come back into play. Well, right? but so, seriously. The, the macro trade is dead, long live macro, but you have this, you know, unrepentant um, bond trade, uh, dollar trade, rate trade is just sideways. Um, the whole Bitcoin, you know, excited about inflation um, and, of course, debasement, if you will, of currency, which we've talked about jokingly is not something you want to wish on your worst enemy but basically is this what else do you do bonds are just you know sideways dollar is really flat um with expectations of falling apart but it probably won't and then yellen comes out and says yeah we should have higher rates but you know what are the chances so um it, it doesn't I don't believe her <laughs> no one believes her no like... one believes her but at the same time we do have um lots of macro to consider like taxation right and um it, market doesn't care so all of a sudden market just decided to drop through that 4170 which was the spx level otherwise known as a trigger for volatility mm -hmm. and it, it happened right at the open and went right down to 4130 so it was a really lovely sudden play and now everyone's going oh, we have the top so we really don't know this is one one day half a day I don't know what you want to call it but last time we talked I keep show well actually for what two three weeks now I keep showing that coiling mm -hmm. NYSC chart that coiling stock bond volatility ratio coiling coiling it's gonna go so today may just be day one so we gotta get I, some confirmation I I saw uh, like uh you know I was kind of going on a little rant last night um you know, on Twitter, because I talked about crypto and I mm -hmm. talked about, um, you know, small caps last week and how all these things were getting purchased and how they become sizable. 
And then when you went and looked at all of them, they just, since that conversation last week, just poo. And they were still being bought in the options side, but not as, not as, uh, not as one-sided, more neutral, like between calls and puts and still sizable though. So the size was still there, but it was switching. And then the underlying securities looked terrible. Then you look at all the IWM stuff. So that was the crypto related stocks. Then you look at all the IWM stuff and IWM was like looking strong, but it was at one of those, those inflection markers where it needs to bust up and out or it sets up for a lower high and all the guts of it look really bad. And we'll look at a few of those once we start like digging into it a little bit, like fuel yep. cell and plug and all these things that have been driving a lot of that. And so it's all it's got left inside the IWM is the commodities carries, right? So X, things like that, that were to me, it was like, all right, well, that was a fail, right? And you got to acknowledge that. Then you see VIX start to like be shifting purchasing underneath the surface last week, which I pointed out because we can grab all that via the, the matrix. You can see that stuff starting to transpire. And um, I was like, well, you know, and you had said, and I got this from you. It was, I didn't, you know, I, I've been so busy. I haven't really been in and ever out of everything. So I use a lot of the stuff you, you got coming across the table. It's like watching the gold as a problem, gold and silver, gold and silver had a steady bid. And I, the way those are set up right now, they're set up in a position where they, I was looking at the long-term pictures of those and the flow, the underlying flows for those. And then we started seeing options bid yesterday, like strong call block buying option side, like long duration stuff, not short duration. I was like starting to add up all these things. I'm like, well, this could get a little hairy. And then sure enough, today you get a little action. I don't know that this is the top top, but I think that, you know, the action is starting to shift and you can see that action in the, in the, in the options landscape you know, which we've created that to view, but you can see it all green. Now it's yellow and red and yep. some green and it's clear as day. And then you start digging into some of this stuff. Now you're not seeing the. I still think VIX has got some shaking and shucking and jiving to do, but the macro seems to be, you know, I, and I, I've seen it get so ridiculous in inflation perspective that it's mm -hmm. like, we're in the other tail for inflation. And I was listening to Corey Hofstein podcast with Jim Carson last night. And like, they were talking about the right tail, left tail. I highly recommend it. It's really good. And it really, you know, we're in that, we're in one of the other tails, which is still just as volatile and dangerous mm -hmm. as being in the deflationary tail. And so for them to come out, they got to do something with this inflation, but what do they do? How does this work? And now they're talking about tax and all the, the, the gains right? And the estates and the different things like that, people going to exit. I've seen the thing you posted about everybody, you know, exiting early, re boomers retiring early. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're up 200% in the last two years, I mean, maybe be a good time to check out, right? Like, so that puts on a sell side bid. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about, right? So it's going to, that's dumping into the market, right? So I, I think there's a lot of different things that I'm seeing that could, could come into play here and you saw it, but just from a market structure standpoint, it's shifted. There's been a shift. Now, whether that follows through or not, I don't know, but, but genuinely have, a shift. But the, but the shifting, as you said, if we don't have volatility, we have rotation. Yes. Two words were never spoken. I mean, it, 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 in a nutshell, that's the market. So we've had really uh, momentum has stayed down and value safety has stayed bid. 
So whether it be the boring XLRE or XLU or IYT or XLL, XME, I mean, you know that the major ETFs that are basically value cyclicals, not cyclicals with tech, but the, you know, the, the anti-momentum trades, um, XAR, I mean, aerospace, stuff that does not normally move like Jagger has been on gorgeous trends and has not, many have not broken. My list actually just keeps going higher. In fact, today was ARNC and CVS. So um, Arconic, which was an Alcoa spinoff years ago. So those are really not what you'd call movers and shakers, but they're gorgeous. So my list for um, safety plays, which is that val that growth to value, has been building even while momentum is getting sold. And some is just bleeding, like Tesla is bleeding, you know, AMD is bleeding. Um, you got a lot of mid-cap tech, the, the high growth stuff, um, that's definitely in trouble. But it's interesting to me that really just recently have we had volatility, I mean, I mean today, <laughs> just in time for this broadcast, have we really had volatility pop up to make folks uh, say, ooh, maybe we shouldn't be complacent. So I wanted to show that kind of up, up because the, the, the commodities are still bid. And if we get crude right now, which is about 65, you know, and dollars, and it shouldn't fundamentally be stronger, but if it starts to get bid, and if gold and silver, you know, miners start to get bid, although I'm still really uh, not, expecting that like at a base minimum I, I can see that they're getting a little stronger but they typically trade with bonds and bonds are still weak sauce they have a lot of work in other words they're guilty until proven innocent so for me the bond gold trade is tied at the hip and if they start to bifurcate then I'm going to pay a lot of attention and again oil and that gas and things that really don't have a fundamental reason to move higher then I'm going to pay a lot of attention but lumber is just about at my price target if it hasn't already hit that 1575 for continuous lumber's future futures <laughs> price is um to me like time to take it to take it down to be really careful and if lumber is going to come down we already saw bitcoin come down and they trade identical let me show you that cuz i i got to i got to show you a few things cuz i'm excited about them all right so this actually is for example All right, so lumber and Bitcoin. And we've been on this since literally last August. This has been a phenomenal trade. So lumber and Bitcoin, if, you know, Bitcoin I've said for lack of understanding about its whole metaverse <laughs> um, not, and just and universe. To me, it has traded very much like a commodity. And then recently um, it has migrated completely into Ethereum. And you and I talked about Ethereum. You were really bullish at a thousand. It hit thirty-four hundred today, and it's just still in you know accumulation. So this, however, is becoming a, a big divergence. So what's going to happen next with this commodity trade, right? Lumber, Bitcoin, and then are they rotating into oil, nat gas, gold, that kind of stuff? But tech is definitely getting you know hit. And um, value is still holding up beautifully. But here's the concern I have. And I'll just update this because I just did. This is still intonating higher. So this is that stock bond volatility ratio that I only show with clients and anyone who graces us with our, you know, their presence in this particular webinar slash interview. And for the podcast, they can't see this. So it, it would pay to go to the YouTube channel and check it out. <laughs> 
but you can see this stuff bond ratio and I, I keep bringing this up it's coiling it's coiling and this little gray thing under here can you see that's volatility so we did have today when I took this picture when I closed my live trading room we had volatility poke above this trend line and I have to also note that this is an end of day you can't help that it's a ratio chart and they don't do intraday so there um, so, but, but look at that that's pretty that's pretty cool but we're still it doesn't give me any confirmation until this puppy crosses above zero in other words for more than just a trade does that make sense yes so it's brand spanking new That's it. So, so my my macro, you know, theory is watch the dollar yen as it relates to gold because they're inversely related. Watch the euro dollar pair trade as it relates to the dollar because they're also tied to the hip, and it's not really doing anything. I think we need another week. So bonds and and yields are just you know obviously not going to be very exciting for a little bit. I have very specific levels on that, but there's nothing to talk about until then. Um, the market has been bid and then all of a sudden it hit that air pocket on the open of, 21, of 41.70 and just um, went swoosh. And then we're going to talk about what we saw. Hold on, let me just bring that up because it's really, really cool, I think anyway. Because I had this literally in my... Um, this was also in my Slack channel, which was that was the, that's the volatility trigger, four one seven zero. Let me just put that here. All right, so April nineteenth, like for example, this is what I write for clients. So back here, currently uh, was the nineteenth, something like that. All right, so I think this is we could currently hit forty one seventy and then have a nice hundred and fifty point pullback. And then the 29th, we definitely, volatility trigger is 41.70. Can we see that? We hit it literally at the open. We went right down into support, which is this 41.33, and then bounced viciously because it's the 21-day. But once we break this level here, we have a nice pullback. And like I said, I think from peak to trough, it's going to be about 150 points. So what are your options I mean, option flow? You have started to see this, right? And every single time it gets dumped, there's this reflexive trade. Ooh, I'm still sharing. Um, there's still this reflexive trade that comes in and saves it. <laughs> so algos kick in or something. And now we're doing a V-shape off of that level. Um, you got to move fast in this market. It's just not. Still buy side. So, so, so it's by the dip, right? Uh, yeah. To an extent, because uh, um, you know everybody's long in life and long in the market, right? For the most part, institutional side. So the short side is still not primed, ready, right? To 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 stick, per se, right? So so the levels are not getting it's not sticking in the sense that okay, buy. I mean, so you get the drop, you get fifty points, you get you get two percent. Um, it's quick, it's thin, it's quick, happens, and then it's it's purchased. Like the Dow Jones this morning, right? I was short the Dow, right, from last night. Um, futures drops. Don't overstay your welcome. Finishes back in the gap fill on that fair value gap overnight. Because it until until the, there's some structure level breaks where they'll flip and all the distribution is done. 
right? This looks very distributive um, because you're seeing the change in the actual behavior patterns of the trades. And um, that's where I would say, like, I could start looking at just showing some stuff because okay. but the, I'm the, curious, the, but I'm curious about the dot because I look at the spy and I, I, I see SPX obviously tagged, right? The 21 um, day, but it didn't come back, you know, come back in like the queues broke already. Like, and that's a gap down and it's a serious one. And yes, we're bouncing. This happens to be the 55 day. Each, but each, yeah, each index's components start to eat themselves. So like the Q's components are already much sicker than the DIA's components and the IWM. IWM is sicker than, D, than, than, than the SPX. SPX and DIA as the composition of their parts are a little bit still healthier than the under the insides of QQQ and IWM. And right. that's to me the, the natural um, situation that we're seeing. So the, the internals on these um, are really playing into how much the, and, and that ties back to advanced decline, some other readings you have um, where, where you would say, okay, the Dow Jones is literally, because it's only 30 and those 30 are like concentrated in a lot of the things that are still Safety. like in, in favor. Yes, That's, that is IBM, et cetera. 100%. Yep. Yeah, which, which I think at some point becomes like the widow maker trade because it's all concentrated, it's all the same. And when it busts, it'll get cracked very, very hard. Right, Q's, you've but, already seen it. It's already unhealthy. But look and at it, I, but but look at value. I mean, it's still trying to break out. Value meaning, you know, it's the closest, if you will, to the small caps. Relatively speaking, we're just sideways with this, you know, IWM, the Russell. Um, value is still pretty bid. It's it's a little red today, but compared to momentum, which is down bigly. I mean, it's such a concentrated sell in the ETFs, which are Bitcoin-related proxies, right? They've just rallied into resistance and failed. Um, solar, which is taking out, you know, this, what, nine weeks of sideways, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, biotech coming right back in, ARC coming right back in. But big, big picture, we're literally one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. ten this is ten weeks of sideways, if you look at it big picture, because this is a weekly that's a daily and that's an intraday. So I'm curious when you say the diamonds, they're the strongest. No question. Starting to see the underlying volume and underlying flow from a money standpoint go the opposite direction. I'm starting to see that. And uh -huh. then you can see okay. the options start. I haven't seen that at all. Like here, I'll share. Yeah, but um, you go. Sorry, I got I don't know why it doesn't do it automatically, but there and there. Like, let's look at DIA, for example. Mm -hmm. You see this? It peaked out, like, the flows. Okay, yep. Right, flows from a velocity. So volume, like, transactional volume and money mm -hmm. peaked out back in the first part of April. Steady sideways action with this being distributive. Even the larger size trades have gone net neutral to bearish. So on the sell side, flipping. So the blocks. And the momentum has still been there from bid side. This is just looking at it from a sheer price perspective, from chart perspective. So it's still hanging out, right? But the components of it are really driving that to me versus when you look at the Q. So like when you look at this versus the Q side, right? Qs are already negative, right? Yeah. Flows have already broke negative. And when that flow breaks negative, then it's all net sell side. And okay. then you've got the momentum's broke the 50 marker 
and it's it's broken down. That's why I saw this yesterday. I was like, this looks sick. And I wrote that last night. Hughes looked unhealthy. I mean, it's got a big hold marker at this three three twelve level. That's a big big hold area because you can see I really don't have anything. This has gotten so everything's kind of caught up to itself up here at the high higher levels for the cues to so the way we track momentum and the charts and the volume and velocity of everything, mm -hmm. everything's sitting underneath it. So it's all setting for some sort of big test around 310, 312. I have to show you this real quick. Let me just grab yep. this because your methodology of, uh, you know, 310, 312 that you just went through, I'm religious about this and about very little, but about this, this is the 30 week this dotted line and every stock has a particular, you know, kind of like relationship with a moving average on a, on a weekly that I have found 10 week for me is it stays in trend. It's your friend, but check this out. This is your 312 right here. <laughs> and by the time it gets there, it's probably going to, you know, flatten out a little bit and probably start to curve down, but we are aligned. I mean, it's just funny how that 30 week, I would say, keep an eye on it for cues. It is like a magnet. Yeah, and it's literally these are all these are all market structure gaps that were left behind, right? Um, and, and when you're really looking out like that, if that were to go, then the 300 level. What's interesting to me is like when you look at like IWM, um, this this is like this, this is not a good. That's this isn't a good look. That's this isn't I'm a good look right here. Like yeah. this peak, this came back hot. This is about you know a week ago when we were talking. This mm -hmm. was positive. And in the last few days, this has gone negative. Like the flows have gone negative and the momentum just failed. That's a big fail area. Like it couldn't get back up here and break that high. That becomes very distributive. So now we've gone nowhere in one, two, three months and the small caps while the insides of this, so it's like leadership, the leadership. And you could see how much volume distribution is now taking place up here and the top part of this node. Whereas there is very little volume back in here from November. So we've done nothing but distribute up here. From a market structure standpoint, price needs to get back above 230 and then go. And then you'll see more money come in. But right now, it's here to the sidelines. And then you could see all last week when you were looking at the options environment, mm -hmm. when you were looking at the actual, uh, let's look at uh, this IWM. IWM has been red for days like so, days now. So we have right? to parse this though. I, I love that particular image um, because that matters, right? It, it is a it is an absolute tell for where there's weakness. But I have to ask you, which because it's we're talking two thousand components here. Um, at one point, the casinos were the heavily the most heavily weighted sector inside small caps. Now, right now, energy is strong. Transports are strong. There's a lot of safety stuff that's strong. Biotech and, oh yeah, GME. Does that still have a lot of weighting? No, no, no. Okay, that's in retail it does. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's still pretty, it's still pretty solid. It, none of these in here, because there's 2,000 components, drive, right? But this GameStop yes. is in, in the top, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, yep. top eight, yep. right? Okay, so I right. wanted to find out because um, that could be a tell that, you know, casinos are starting to look pretty toppy. But there are some sectors underneath that look like they could be very much bid. It's to be determined, again, that whole oil trade for me, that energy rotation, um, it's been sideways and looks like it wants to break higher, but that all depends. 
And uh, right now, if the euro continues to move higher and push the dollar down, I think it will be an absolute trade for energy. And crude will break that 68 high. Um, and that'll be trouble. That'll actually turn into um, strength and XLE and related components, but a, hand, a headwind for the market. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, now... You, you look at the insides of IWM? Yep. Right? And so individual stock level, top 50 or so... For the for the actual options market right and so where are they sitting right and these are green technically still right green you dig into gme it's starting to shade right it's starting to it's starting to to shade where you dig into the second level and you're like okay how are these dominant contracts looking now and i have seen this begin to change on the individual level so as a whole you you only see in the top 50 60 here yep. based on what it can fit in the, the imagery you know, uh, for this particular view, but That's then fine. you like dig into like uh, some of these, like uh, I look at this, I call it the wall street bets index. I have okay. um, this right here. I mean, this is, this doesn't look good at all. That's like you look at EV plays, right. And the, yeah, you look at plug, you look at uh, uh, overstock, you look at fuel cell. These, these, these are, these are awful, awful looking charts. Um, these, these, that's, that's an awful, looking chart. And I, I've seen a lot of these begin to shape, look at workhorse, like, you know, and this stuff was the stuff that was, we saw this effect take place where, where the, the, the options gamma gamma plays a huge role now, right? Like with everything that we see. So the options gamics, you know, call side, right. Sell underside purchase dealers, securities rise, they become larger in market cap, larger market cap means they become larger in the actual indexation. Right. Well, now these things have gotten smacked down since February and they're not coming back. And that's now got this inverse effect related to the market caps. Right. So you look at uh, GME, AMC, some of this stuff, even even when you look at like you look at PayPal, PayPal, PayPal is not in the IWM situation, but PayPal is in that crypto situation. I was going to say, but you right? also have to right. show the crypto Continue. Oh, a hundred percent. The micro strategy, the Bitcoin trust, the Mara, the riot, the PayPal, the square, they have had, and I, who else? Well, I'm missing a few visa. Look, I don't even look know. At, look at, look at, look at fastly. Like all these things, DraftKings, DraftKings. I mean, these, these are, these are charts that look, they're all, all the flows are negative. I could go on like this whole tangent, right? Like to just chart storm, right? All the flows, underlying flows are negative. And the options, right? Because everybody's gotten used to trading options. The options are not net negative yet. And I have three different readings on options. I got actually a zero to one PC. And this is just our sauce because of what we've seen because there's so much more options traded versus the normal CBOE distribution for like put calls, like one being bearish, right? One to 1.5 is neutral for me because it fluctuates in there nowadays. 1.5 on that's bearish. Zero to one is bullish. You look at this overall and that's still pretty bullish, but you look inside of there, right? It's not, it's not the same. This is starting to turn, right? And so the undersides of all these things, the last thing kind of holding them up is starting to pivot. I think that's very notable. And you can look, you can go look at the, the underlying security flows are ne negative for most. The impact that they have on the index, it's just like holding itself up. So it's like getting this inbound activity from a passive flows right into these indexes. But realistically, you're not getting these other elements that they had for quite some time. And that started changing about a week ago. And now, they don't know if it's going to stick, 
I don't know if it's going to stick. It can always change, right? The markets are not, there's nothing static. But then you go look at the cryptos. Well, I look at the precious metals, like, um, uh, yeah, I'll look at those in a second, but I look at the crypto stuff. And this is the stuff that I posted last night, right? With the crypto piece, you look at, you look at uh, Mara, right? That doesn't, this doesn't look good. Look at the flows, right? Peaked out. Oh, right? I'm bearish. Trust right? me. This, this to me, looks, it, I agree with you. <laughs> Riot peaked out flows. Overstock, which got a big bump because of that. It's still hanging on, right? A little. Square, that doesn't look good. That doesn't look good, right? That's, that's turning back. These things take time to develop, mm -hmm. but it sure looks like we ran out of gas after February. Right. It really does look like we ran out of gas across the board and we've been distributing up here. And I could say the same thing across the board. And what I am seeing, too, is when I look at the VIX itself, the VIX is this has changed. So if I'm looking at the. Uh, look, look at that. That's the big that's a great whites. Right. SPX, MDX. Russ, you know, RET, Dow Jones, VIX is the green. Right. And that hasn't manifested itself truly in like, you know, a change yet trajectory, but it's always under the surface that this stuff changes before, you know, the price realization comes to fruition. So all the underlying security flows have started to go net negative. The passive indexation seems to be holding up. Plus it just, the single stocks are on the verge of flipping. I haven't seen that yet. Right. Like in a big context, like uh, as, a, as a overall, so let's do top 50 equities. Today, you started to see these change, but the single stocks, if I look at the single stocks themselves versus the indexes in, I haven't seen yellow on here in two months. Okay. You know? And it's starting to like shift a little bit. These are individual names. If this starts to really start to change over the next couple of weeks, very substantive, because that means that that options effect, which we talked about extendedly for a long time, it's not, it doesn't go away. It just flips, right? And it could flip on the whole situation, which then options, you know, that ties right back to the flips. VIX. Explain gamma, that a little bit. The gamma effect. Okay. Gamma, yeah. gamma words, doesn't go anywhere. Selling right? gets selling, the more negative it becomes. Correct. Yeah. So to me, when I look at the charts and I see this is just, this is, this is every block, like block is a pretty balanced. Look at, look at the flows, negative and, and struggling, right? Struggling. And then I look at the stuff for, for um, uh, like, I haven't really looked at, I mean, it, it seems to be kind of a pervasive thing. Oh, that, I, I think you know, a, that's a beautiful short EEM, but that is completely contrary to the, I mean, that's a dollar move. This, this seems to be the, the, the Dow Jones, those value plays seem to be the bastion of the last hope here, right? Holding this thing together to yes. an extent because the rest of it has fallen apart. And and that indexation situation, right, is being held on solely because of the passive flows at this point. So I think that we're closer than we are far away from being really tested. Oh, and I, like I mean, that expression. we're closer than, than far than further. Yeah, away. To being really tested, and tested is okay. All that liquidity, everything else. I hear you. You got major inflation. I hear you. Okay, what about like market structure? to be tested in a passive environment. Because, you know, when we were tested prior, right, in the election, that wasn't really tested. That was like a different situation. This is, people aren't spending the money that they were 
right in the markets they're starting to spend money in real life and so are they gonna like step in here right with this right or you know i i i'm very curious to see how this shakes out i i've been on the sidelines from this for quite some time because it needed to shake out and you see how far this thing goes but i'm beginning to see and that's why i was vocal about it last night i'm beginning to see my stuff that i track regularly begin to deteriorate and i know i'm trying to be notable of that that the options market is beginning to i'm seeing single stock change right where it's shifting from all call side heavy call side right to to mostly call side to now it's like neutral in some yeah. single names and that's that's noteworthy because of how big some of these single names have gotten so those are my points like kind of across the board the way i look at it and these market structure levels are so extended right for all these names that you know i mean they got a lot of room to chase so you know this can't this can go on forever but it you know it can't go on forever because nothing goes on forever so are we approaching some sort of test i don't think it's immediate situation where it just changes overnight but we go back to the way that this thing is all set up there's tons of tail risk tons and tons of tail risk that's all i can say and and one thing i would say too is like your your stuff is starting here let me let me share this again like you know we've, we've talked about how how like really uh uh like like the volatility stuff like it's been kind of like it's been like is it negative is it positive is it negative is it positive it's it's really sitting there volatility hasn't gone anywhere in about a month it's pretty static and so it's flirting with what it's deciding to do and now i'm beginning to see that stuff the curve structure and the volatilities change right and so now they're going to get you know bearish right for the markets bullish for volatility to an extent now it hasn't totally triggered 100%. But I'm seeing this, like you could, you could see like these things, you know, um, let me jump over to. Uh, it took a month. You're right. For the queues to take out their lows one month, a month today. today in other words, in the past month, we haven't, we finally took out the lows this morning when we opened. Like these, these things have been like killer in the sense that I call them jaws. These are big jaws plays, right? Like the way you set these up, these are jaws plays where they, they reconnect. They may get extended, from themselves, but they end up reconnecting and they reconnecting violently. And I could see that across the board with this stuff as I've been checking in with it the last couple of weeks. And so I, I really think that we are approaching, like, look at all this is very good. It's on neutral. And, and right? just in a bigger time frame. That's, that's more of a, that's a daily factor. It doesn't do intraday yep. except for one check at noon kind of thing. But the point is it's supposed to be for those who are not looking intraday. They just want to know if they have anything they have to worry about when they check in after work <laughs> and right. they see, okay, did anything trigger bearish? Yes, um, socks did, for example. A portfolio is not triggering yet because we still have not broken down in SPX, but we have in um, long ago in, in treasuries. But yep. uh, yeah, so this is, um, what was I gonna say on the, okay, let me just show something which is kind of interesting. And again, it's geeky, but it's kind of how I work and it doesn't, work for many, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and you know what? I don't even have any of this in these algos. Maybe I should think about that for sure. But first, Dom, Thomas is asking, on that bubble chart where Tesla and Amazon stood out, what does their yellow respective green mean? R-E-S-P, yellow, what's R-E-S-P green mean? Yeah, yeah, yellow is like, uh, kind of gives you an idea of if the overall put call, like balance 
is He's net neutral. If it's, if it's yep. Delta for open interest or dealer gamma, and you're saying. Oh, no, no, that's that's PC. We're talking about we're talking about gamma and we're talking about Delta, but we're not talking. Those charts are not those aren't gamma measurements. Those are raw options data um, calculations. Right. So those are those are showing you the actual balance of it, not not like gamma exposure. We've got gamma exposure it's in a separate section. OK, so um, what I wanted to show was kind of a, a tell, though, which is interesting. And I don't know where it's going to go right this minute, but this is just a screen capture that I grabbed um, earlier. And oops, let me just show this one first. So this is there we go. This is the diamonds. Right. And so price looks pretty firm. It's just kind of like flatlined here. And yet my indicator has already done the curve, right? So that means there's a divergence and it hasn't fallen yet. This clearly has, and you can kind of see also for those who do stochastics, we definitely have broken down below the 80, which is bearish and yet price is holding up, right? Now go to small caps. You have this double top, which is, you know, a sign that we do have weakness potentially coming in, but price still hasn't triggered to the downside. Then you go to the queues and see where this top is right here. I've highlighted that whole section where we went sideways and then boom, we were down two and a half, three percent. So in a in a New York minute, we basically opened up, gapped down below pivot, but this is where it's kind of been indicating that something was up. And the same thing with SPX. Here we have this kind of turn up here and then all of a sudden we started moving so this for me anyway definitely shows some weakness coming into the market um that was kind of like you said for the risk indicators kind of uh, smelled <laughs> that that something wrong coming in and then just recently let me just grab that as well um Am I still sharing or no? Probably not. No. Okay. I will. I'm still on app. Okay. So, give me a second. All right. So, if I just sort here, um, when I took this this morning, there were only three that had triggered uh, bearish, right? Right at the open. I'm trying to find exactly what they, and this is the intraday. But I want to just show it because it was interesting in that, oh, I cut it off. Dang it. Oh, here it is. That's it. This morning, it was the Q's, Socks, and XLK. And if I tag this, you know, chart to see where they actually turned, they had turned a few days ago. So, in other words, this turned bearish. And then continued bearish, continued bearish, despite all of this price action in blue, the indicator is like, nope, stay short, something's mm -hmm. wrong. And that's kind of the same thing that I used and, and just showed with the Copic curve, which isn't even part of my indicators, right? I'm just, there are lots of ways to get at the same thing. Your option flow, you can see with that chart that you showed down at the bottom panel, the weakness that's coming in. You can also see with the optionality with the puts that are coming in. So we're all kind of converging, if we will, these tools that say, okay, this algo says short, my intermarket says short, your option view says short. Okay, so now what? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, 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 you know, what I would, what I would say is you don't know yet because it's still got the buy side 
right, that we saw with the Dow Jones today, right? Because people are still getting long. And so these people are still going to be soaking it up until I, I think that what we haven't seen in some time where we, if there's a real top, like when you go back, is there a real top, right? The real top is when it's really deteriorated and price is continuing to just be in total denial. We've seen de deterioration, but it's continued deterioration. If it takes another stab higher or these things bounce a little bit and it continues to deteriorate and volatility continues to start to surface, I'm in. I'm, I'm all about it. Like, I think it's time to see what this market's got and in, in, in far as like strength and bid and where those bids reside. Because I think a lot of the stuff hasn't come back. Like a lot of that fuel cell, that Momo stuff, that stuff hasn't come back. And Bitcoin stuff, that stuff is, you know, institutions had their moment to get exposed and that stuff's not looking too good for the crypto related stocks. Um, oh yeah, know, that looks like Bitcoin could take another drive down to like 40,000. Ethereum I think is on its own because it's being used for bond under, you know, undersides of bonds, like with the, um, uh, the euro euro is writing bonds on it and yes. things like that. There's a lot of use case. Right. So folks are all excited about. The uh, yeah, I don't yeah, and cheaper and all that. Yeah. I mean, to, 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 there's some tons of use case discussion in that, but like the, to me, they've, they've bifurcated because now you're talking about one with a different use case than the other. Yeah. And, and one's got a more permanent use case than the other, in my opinion. So like, you know, th that plays in. So just take the security stuff. When you look at the securities themselves um, that are under the surface and they're starting to deteriorate at what point, like you get the VIX has to, has to shake for a minute. And then you got to continue to see the underlying deterioration while the index passive index and passive indexation continues to float it. And then it just, then it just collapses on itself on the weight of itself. And then we see these market structure levels that were all left behind. We have so many levels that have been left behind in the last oh, eight months. Ooh. I, I mean, it, it, here's, here's the best one. And it scares the bejesus out of me. you got to see this one. Hold on. So this is actually important because I am a reflationista. I mean, I have been with this re this growth to value rotation theme strongly in every dip. Right. And, and, and every peak and every dip and every peak, I have just been on this. So to find to see this particular chart. And this happens to be SML, which is the top 600 of the 2000, okay? But institutions really like this. This is not an optionable um, instrument, mm -hmm. but you can actually trade the stock. This, I mean, how big is this? This gap. <laughs> um, you could drive a truck through that. I mean, I've just never seen such a thing. Well, and go to 1100 go to 950 it's not like there aren't more there's you know 750 there's more there's um more there's more there's uh, but that's a big one so you know i'm watching this one like a hawk as this starts to flatten right um and maybe this is a left shoulder ahead or right shoulder but it's way too early and i don't want to play that game because it really has to break down but i like charting stuff that isn't traded I like, I mean, heavily. I like charting SML. I like charting NYSE, right? So these to me are just um, also relative to SPY. It has definitely been coming down. But commodities are still bid, lumber, corn, um, Bitcoin, and now Ethereum. It's been impressive. Yeah, so I think the gold charts, the, the precious metals don't look like that. Like they, the flows are actually coming in. I'm so I, I, I'm wondering, 
I'm wondering if like there's some play with banks right here and in solvency overall related to oh, like, you know, think, um, currency. Yeah, I don't right. know if it's solvency or the fact that they have so much money and they're telling clients to go put it in mutual funds. And then there's this um, little solvency, the wrong word. I, I yeah, currency, okay. currency structure problem, something to that effect for Here, sure. This is you it. Know. This is it for banks in a nutshell. And it might be a little bit early, but I want to show this because it's the only thing I tweeted today. I've been really busy. Um, the four largest U.S. banks, you know them, show deposits grew by 15% as of March 31st. Yay! But their combined loan holdings fell 10%. So now their loans to deposit ratio sits at 61.5% for all banks in the U.S., the lowest ratio in 48 years. That's like, they're not lending. <laughs> they're not lending. <laughs> They're not lending, but it's it's a function They're of hoarding. <laughs> and the SLR requirements and that whole crowding out, um, you know, this that Barton Wang talked about like a month ago that was going to be coming up toward the end of May. It was going to become an issue toward the end of May. Maybe they're just kind of front running it. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think. You know, it's very hard to, to to guess at any of that. Like, I just look again anecdotally. So, like, talking to somebody this afternoon, I was like, uh, somebody I know, business guy, sharp young guy. He's got a couple businesses, and he's looking to grow. You know, he's for, you know he's got one location, great location, done very well. And um, he's like, I want to get a second one. I was like, that's good. You know, he I said, how's it going? He's like, terrible. And I said, why? And I was like, you're you're making money. You got, you know, your free cash flows looking good. You got a, a scalable model because I can't get a location. Physically can't get a location. It's like, no, there's not enough available. Oh, inventory. I've heard that from real estate agents. So there's no locations. And then yeah. there's like, so, so he can't even get a commercial location anywhere. Yeah. And, I've and then, so like he can't actually go borrow because he can't actually go do anything because there's nothing available. So it's really funny. So it's like, like that's 22. Paradox, right? It's a, it's a total paradox. Those like who where want they, loans can't get them. Those who want employees can't find them. Um, you know, those who want real estate, well, it doesn't exist right now. The inventories a, are so low. Real estate agents, they, they think they're doing gangbusters, but they need more inventory to actually sell to make the commissions. <laughs> which it won't happen. It's an it's an era of paradox because the mechanism when the fiscal came in. Yeah. And the people that loans, the, the guy, the guy that made the comment about banks, the banks, when banks won't loan, that's why hyper, why it can't be hyperinflation. I totally disagree because that's not how it works. Like what they did is they circumvented the banks and they just gave it directly to everybody. Right. And people literally have flooded the system. Right. And then assets have gone significantly higher. Well, people, the savings rate went up significantly, but then there's some some mathematical uh, statistics that show that a lot of it, because it capped out, then a lot of it went to the market. Right. And so, you know, so the banks, yeah, the banks are fine from a savings perspective. People are fine, but then it went to the market. So so the market has had asset inflation. Right. And you've got the people in the real everyday world where all the goods and services are being chased by a massive amount of money. And then, you know, the other people, people are being paid to not work. So, so you've got a whole age of paradox, right? Where some of these models just simply don't work, which goes back to your macro that broke it. I don't disagree. 
Like well, some of this stuff is just totally, when they made that decision to, because they haven't done that historically, they always done the banking lever. And we've talked about this a, a million times. They'd always done the banking lever and the fiscal lever and alternated those things. They never hard pressed both and then totally gangbusters pressed the fiscal, just pressed big time that button. And that went directly into people's pockets and it was inflationary. So, so we, we have still work to be done there on the inflationary. We're doing a lot of catch up. So, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. When I say that I believe this is obviously we're in an inflationary cycle, I don't know if it's secular, it is because there's just too much money chasing too few goods. And I can see commodities, you know, make, making highs after multi-decade lows. So for as, as far as I'm concerned, it's still a catch-up trade. We are still historically 100%. low in rates, historically low in commodities, even though people are like, oh, they're up a thousand percent. It doesn't matter. It's historically where we were on the bottom. We had negative oil. <laughs> so um, it's all in context, you know, span a little bit bigger lens and it doesn't look so overheated. It looks like it's just finally coming back or trying to come back to the mean. But um, the one thing that I would say, and I really highly recommend, was um, a, a podcast that I listened to this weekend with Judy Shell, And um, she talks about how stimulus is actually, we would be a lot better off if we hadn't had stimulus. And do you know who I'm referring to, Judy Shell? Mm -mm. All right, hold on. This is... Um, she was um, under Trump anyway, nominated for a Fed seat, and I, she didn't make Shelton. it. Shelton. Shelton. Yeah. I recommend this because I thought it was. I loved. Oh, what the hell? Heck is her name? I mean, it is Shelton. Okay. I, I'm embarrassed now because I was very excited. She followed me back. Okay, so here. Ah. Yeah. She's a <laughs> so, gold standard. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of people gave her so much grief because of the gold standard. And I would just absolutely love to find that link because I thought it was brilliant. I posted it for clients this weekend. Um, and just, it's Daniel, hold on, almost there. Okay, here it is. Love this interview. I, I don't think there's anything she said that you would go, oh my God, she's out of her mind. It, Ooh, that's, mm, that's, that, that connects. <laughs> so anyway, um, the U.S. recovery would be stronger without stimulus, and she details why. And I thought it was absolutely worth listening to. Highly, highly recommend this. I can't believe I only got four likes and two retweets. It's so good. It's, it's not, it's not, like, nobody was wanting to hear it. It's but so Gr good. But Griffin, can, interestingly enough, Ken Griffin said the same thing. And he said it, like, probably a month and a half ago. And the financial times a different way he said it but he said you know the issue now is that we did things that we can't take back right and we've stimulated in a way we can't unstimulate it right because it went fiscal and so the reaction was just over the top the danger now is runaway inflation that has to garner a strong swift and sudden reaction that is really not prepared. Market participants are not okay, prepared. She, she doesn't talk about the hyperinflation. She actually talks about how cryptocurrencies are stepping in to, to you know, help mitigate that because people are afraid. No, I, I don't want to paraphrase. Listen to it. She it, it talks about the whole crypto thing too and how that has a place. What right, Fed would ever, ever, ever say crypto has a place? She she actually comes out and kind of supports it. <laughs> so crypto, yes. The coins, 
the, the Bitcoin, the whole just why it has become um, as powerful as it has and in navigating its role in monetary, um, you know, future, basically. So it's, it's one of those things where you don't usually expect that kind of conversation and um, but definitely not not for hyperinflation. That's not a theme that I'm getting anywhere except for what, that Michael what is, what is the what is the definition true. of hyperinflation i'm curious like your perspective on this like i see houses that were what do you want stella four four hundred to five hundred thousand for like i don't know 10 years they they go up to it's dinner time um yet. it's like clockwork so, so it's it's let's say that are now 1.5 in in eight eight to 12 months Oh, everywhere. Some some going for as high as two million. Like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar houses. Like with 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 um you know in certain areas of Florida where they got like a, a car in the, the driveway that's been there four years. Yeah, it'll, and I've heard, and I've it'll heard sell it'll sell, it'll sell it'll sell in Miami stuff's lasting days. Like I got I, I kinda got a hard time buying pent up demand, right? Right, it's not a it's not a pent up demand thing. That's that's such a it's in such a short period of time. That is a, that, and then you look at the the used car prices. You look at anything that's like a, a physical product. I loved that, that a guy brought his Carvana car back after two years and got the same price for it. <laughs> simply unheard of stuff. And so and so you're starting to see grocery stuff that's packaged goods go up twenty five percent. Right. And so what is the inflationary breakpoint where like we want inflation? We don't measure it because if you measure housing inflation right now, how do they measure it? Do they measure the payment or do they measure the cost of the property? Right. I'm not sure what that is, because if you look at it, I have never looked at the CPI statistics to determine it. But like the payment can be mitigated to an extent by the interest rate and the amortization schedule. But if you look to the physical cost of the property, the outright physical cost, then it would be just massively high. Commodity, this feels a lot like, you know, where it's, it's, it's paradoxical in the sense of the 70s, where things were just really trying to sort themselves out as related to geopolitical finance structures, as where we're doing all these things where it's super, super experimentation. I'm curious about the hyperinflation thing, because what is the definition of hyperinflation? Like to us, is it where a house that was 500,000 is now 3 million and that's the going rate? And then 12 to 18 months that happened? Is the argument that that's healthy? I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Crypto coins like, like Dogecoin, there's nothing, there's nothing about Ooh, Dogecoin. Wait a minute, that's I healthy. got a client who texted right? me, uh, to, who, who, who shared in member chat that Dogecoin is now being accepted by the Major League Baseball. Um, where, which, which outfit? Marlins? No. Hold on. The, the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA have taken it, and then a couple others, right? Blue Jays. Funny, huh? Literally. Yeah, they're 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 taking it because, like, you know, why not? I mean, if I got if somebody, they're not stupid in the sense that if I got ten million dollars in Dogecoin for a season ticket, that makes no sense to me because uh, it's like forty-two dollars. And look, I'm all for technology. I'm all for everything. But what, what are we doing here? 
uh, right. playing. We're just, it's all speculative. I have to show you th something though regarding, I don't know about the, the hyperinflation thing because we haven't had it and likely. Um, what is hyperinflation? That was my question. Like, what is the price point on things that we just say that would do? Yeah, we're dealing with hyperinflation. I think um, crude above 68 can take off the way lumber has. And that's going to be. Um, very is, is, a, is a $16 two by four, right? And a $118 piece of plywood that was $30 last year. That's not hyperinflation. That's not inflation. Is that just natural? Yeah, but it was pent up demand. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I mean, honestly, don't know the answer if you want a definition of hyperinflation or as it relates to our secular ramp up right now in commodities, which I can see this is like literally multi-decade lows, right? This is negative oil and CRB, by the way, on a monthly, just to show you kind of what I'm looking at. So basically, we're coming right up to this trend line, which, by the way, this is when we had 140 oil. That wasn't hyperinflation, right? And that was solid deflation. Um, you know, this we have been in a solid deflationary trend for 40 years. It, it's not changing, and I don't think it's going to change with technology and the, and the and demographics and, and the rest and interest rates. We can't let them go higher. We need... I think they want some inflation. They want um, definitely some uh, taxation and to help this speculation get muted. But I don't see anything right now um, at risk of really taking off and scaring the market until we get above this trend line. So I'm not answering your question because I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm looking for like a, how we would classify a society that we have runaway inflation. Bonds collapse. Because then they're going to have to hike and hike and hike and hike and hike so much. And then you know what happens to pensions. So do we change the way we read everything so that that doesn't happen and change the way that the bonds are measured so it doesn't happen? I don't know. Yellen says we need higher rates. They're not doing anything. But they're saying they're saying a lot of things, right? But like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm making I'm making funny faces. I didn't realize the uh, the screen was still being shared. Like, but yeah, says we need higher rates. And I'm not asking. I'm not. This is just this is just like me saying it's like okay, we don't have inflation. All right, all right. Okay, what is it then? It's like twelve or thirteen percent by you know any means. That by actually, definition, by definition, that, that, that actually yeah. includes the things that matter: healthcare, and tuition, and food, and you know, actual things, but it, it doesn't matter. Tuition, university tuition went up, uh, the university uh, here in the state, I think 20%. What, what this year? Mm -hmm. That makes yeah, It was a point. huge, huge, huge. Uh, I, I, I've talked to people like everything. Okay. That's so, so, so I, I'm just sitting here, I'm like, well, what is, because I would think that the colleges would be a great short if there was a vehicle to short them just because of demographics alone. Like my daughter went in at the height of the demographic, you know, mood. And now, of course, we have a completely different, I don't know, cultural shift of you don't need a degree and it costs too much money and you can do it remotely. Why pay the sixty four thousand dollars or whatever the heck it is at Harvard? So I would their vehicle to short colleges. I would think that'd be a really <laughs> viable one, but it's unheard of to actually increase tuition i so so i i'm 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 just like kind of 
sitting here and I, every single advocate, every single thing is like up exponentially in the last 12 months. Yep. And at what point do, and so it's like one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to acknowledge it. It's not there. I'm not going to acknowledge it. It's not there. I'm not acknowledging it. It's not there. And it's like, I, dude, that's like, you know, the, the, the elephant is like literally right here in the room. And it's like, okay, we got to deal with the elephant, but you said there wasn't any elephant. And so what is the move that can be taken? And I think that, and I keep saying this and saying this and saying this, because it goes back to, I, I just go back to what Griffin had said. It says the biggest risk in the room because which that is, rec- which is infl- just runaway inflation okay, okay. where it's, it's it's in total denial like it's I, it's denied it's denied it's denied it's denied it's denied and then we have to take action because and, and if we don't take action well, like isn't that it, the whole it, it, underpinning of the, the the fed mistrust and why bitcoin has had such a platform is because they don't trust that the fed actually knows what's going on or will react in a timely manner to head it off and then when they start reacting it'll be fast and furiously and too little too late uh, I don't think that's a sound, like, I think maybe that's a sound, like, thesis, like, a why they're doing it as a narrative, but, you know, uh, I go back to Mark, uh, um, not Mark, but um, Jim Rogers interview I listened to a while back. He's always very fun. Yes. He goes, I just, he's like, I just, uh, you know, I've been through the government stuff all over the world, and he's like, they just outlaw it at the end of the day, right? And they go, no, you can't have it. <laughs> and, and and like he goes because they got the guns and you don't have the guns they got the tanks and the militaries and everything else and like i i think that like you know in a perfect world right in a perfect world that's a very definitive and, and functional narrative but in like the real world right like i don't think that's a fair 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 and equitable thing like and bitcoin people would say oh you can take it anywhere and just plug it in over here and what have you but like you know, if, if push comes to shove, things get really out of hand. Would that be realistic? But they, would they, you know, would there be some sort of significant problem with that? Well, not as mainstream adoption. That's a complex narrative or, or a paradoxical thought because as mainstream adoption rises, then the securities and inspection and analyzation of those holdings as it relates to, you know, the reporting of them, the anonymity disappears. So the anonymity that you're claiming is the narrative that drives your adoption of it is actually inverted when you get mainstream adoption of it, right? So then the whole thing about it being anti-Fed is actually not right because it's actually anything that comes into the treasury system, the governmental system, the IRS system, now property rights. It's documented and the governments get involved. So I, I don't, I go back to, I don't have an answer for that my my question my my big question is runaway inflation what's the what's the move because i wonder this all all the time hold myself hold on to your hats is that it hold on to your hats like like yeah. make sure you have some real estate but they can property tax you they can just increase your property taxes yes they I can s- but you know they can also go into your bank vault and remove your gold i mean they honestly have the well right. i'm not i'm not sitting over here saying we should go either. get a bunch of gold i'm not saying we should get a bunch of gold don't get <laughs> i'm not over here like you know, okay you know, i was gonna say next you're gonna tell me you're a silver bug no 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 i'm actually just a questioner like i'm just questioning like the situation because i feel like the fiscal response and the fact that you know we fiscally responded to a shutdown that was short-term compared to the response 
right? So it was, it was, it was an overreaction to a period that didn't last as long as expected. So they duplicated the reaction or tripled the reaction to the actual economic impact, then stood up the bonds, then stood up the companies, right? And so you did a fiscal transaction and then you stood up all the companies like Carnival and the rest of these airlines and everything else, right? And so the amount of liquidity that now is floating around is almost like, no, nah, it's not there. No, you're not, no, it's not there. You're just not seeing, stop, right? It's not there, right? It is there. And that's the risk is that risk doesn't go away. It just transmutes, right? It goes into a different structure. And so risk never leaves. I, I think that that's my biggest question is like, okay, so how do you think about the real risk now that, that is surfacing in, in, in this, the, as this has gotten away? And that's my deep question to been, I've been thinking about, yeah, let's look, I, we get on here and I talk about stuff all the time, things I, you know, um, I'm looking at what have you. I'm very wide open about things I don't fully grasp or, or haven't solved myself or anything like that. I really think that this is the biggest question I have. It's like, okay, right? You know, two and a half million dollar house that was $500,000 12 months ago. Mm -hmm. Same house, right? No demand curve. Like you can stop with all that because that's not it. Like that's a four, that's what? That's not pin up from, from, and because the, the house of that price of that house in 2006 is 250,000, went down to 125,000. And it's been on a steady rise since then and it's recovered and it's doubled. So it's not starting at a place where we recovered it from the 2006 lows. I don't want to hear that either. This is four times, five times the price it was 12 to 18 months ago. Now what? Like, What's say we're about the wrong thing. CPI cannot even exceed three percent. What's what the measurement of CPI? But they're actually expecting CPI to move higher to three and a half, four percent. So maybe even by July. It's, tra it's trailing, right? It's, it's trailing. trailing. It's definitely a lagging, 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 lagging. And it's discounted, so they discount out the things you actually use in your life. And they ignore it. <laughs> They don't even, it's just a garbage, it's a garbage calculation. They ignore it. It's like, why so, even bother? <laughs> so, so, to, so I have that question. So it's like, so, so I haven't got an answer yet. Like, oh, I think, I think it's a brilliant question, but we're early innings, right? So when I look at that, um, you know, the, the, the perfect storm that would continue to support home prices, which is low, low inventory. I mean, wicked low, right? By two, uh, what is it, 1950s kind of low. And then you look at still historically low interest rates and you look at the demographics of millennials with cash burning a hole in their pocket or their boomer parents, grandparents, giving them money because that was interesting. I saw a statistic where I think 24% of the money that they're getting to put down on these overinflated houses is actually coming from family. <laughs> so they're, you know, they're, they're supporting this uh, and then you've got one, was it one in four or one in five of suburban house, all houses are actually owned by publicly traded companies like BlackRock and such. So you got like the, a, a huge um, tailwind for higher. Then you add input costs like lumber, the inelasticity we've been talking about of lumber for bloody months, like what, six, seven months we've been talking about lumber. Yeah. This is not new. <laughs> so, you know, copper's going higher. Oil looks to be like just even though it shouldn't um, move in higher. I don't know, you have a really solid point. Maybe we are in a hyper 
inflationary period, we just don't know it yet, or we haven't acknowledged it yet because it's so bloody new. We haven't had it forever. And in, and 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 it's in, it's in not in it's not in a incentive alignment. Everything tracks back to incentive alignment. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. I'm good. I'm good because I'm benefiting from it. I know, but at the same time, the dollar's worth less and less and less. Well, the gambit is that right, which I see again. And Ethereum has an answer. You know, and Bitcoin has ridiculously, you know, high price. Even Raul Powell is like it's worth a million dollars in the future or something. The point is, it's it's way too crystal ball foggy for me. But but all of our all of our infrastructure isn't based on those things. Like I, I hear what he's saying too, right? The 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 But that's not how people buy houses. They buy them with a mortgage and an interest rate because they can't afford to buy a house, and they sure as hell can't afford to buy one now. <laughs> not without help and they're they getting couldn't have, they couldn't afford to buy one before we're in a fractional society right i'm, I'm renting everything that's right true. effectively right so so you know i i i, I i'm going to stick on my stump at what figure in societal infrastructure are we going to say that we got inflation or does it just go or does it just go you know, it was it was in denial the entire time. And then when it looks back and it's like, oh, everything fell apart because of that. And I'm not I'm not. Uh, this is literally just a fireside chat with Jonathan right now. <laughs> totally full of shit. We're just talking, talking, talking. No. So like, I apologize there. No, I love this. I haven't even thought about it. Oh, my God. Are we already gripped in hyperinflation? We didn't even realize it. I don't um, I, I didn't even think about that. I'm still just locked on the inflationary definition of too much money chasing too few goods. And then I look underlying at the lumber, which is the processing costs are through the roof. But the actual pulp material is still rock bottom prices. And so isn't, the, isn't the savings measurements total garbage? Because you say that like everybody has got this all this savings. Well, you're measuring it when everybody had $200 in savings and now they have $2,800 in savings from the money that was fiscally deposited. That's a fiscally deposited amount that you put in their pocket. And so that is not, that's literally, you took it from the the money printer and you put it in the bank treasury and then you measured it. Look, everybody's good. But in reality, right, the situation didn't change except for the prices went up in every way for that person with the $200 in their account. And so these are like, so, so what is, what is the, what is the net impact of that? That measurement, it's like uh, the, the numbers, the way we look at analytics has to be assessed in this situation, right? Because I, 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 again, it's a simple question. Are we in hyperinflation? And is it just simply not in really anybody's interest to acknowledge it? Well, because no one's asked. They expect it in the future, some, but no one's actually thinking they're in it now. No one's mm-hmm. talking. I mean, other than the speculative fervor in cryptos, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, whatever the heck, the rest. Um, nobody's saying we're in hyperinflation that's going to cause a mini crash. But volatility reprices everything, and it definitely... Um, you know, pokes its head up and reminds us not to be complacent. But yeah, no, it doesn't slap us in the face and say we're in a hyperinflationary secular trend. All I can see right now, as far as I can see, are some resistance level coming up in commodities. You know, my my crystal ball is so short term. You're asking good questions. These 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 uh, commodities, I think, in my my perspective, your thesis to the commodities continue to run hotter 
I'm all on board. Because they're I a hedge for inflation. 100%, 100%. And then the flip side of it, the equities are just now getting started to be repriced. Because then a hyperinflationary environment, that's not, do, do we have a- need to follow. No, you know, need to follow. You know, I'm with you, I'm with you. That is such a, a systemically important structure. That's the that, map that was dead. That's why we haven't talked about them because they're dead. That's That's got to be shook out of the tree. So right now, that's what I'm watching the most. Some currency action, for sure. The bond action, it's been boring. I don't want to talk about it because it's really boring. But when it becomes exciting, we'll know it. <laughs> and it will, well, it'll smell or it'll catch on depending on how your, you know, hyperinflation read is. I think the trading environment changes the back half of the year. It becomes a trader's market versus this passive thing. The active and passive transition hasn't even started yet. That's my only takeaway from the inflation is that it's just going to usher in a whole bunch of unknown unknowns, which we then have market structure that's not really set up for that um, at the moment with a lot of new players and a lot of new systems and a lot of new, new, new setups and, and a lot of new demographics and a lot of new people in the world to trade, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that like the back half of the year that we, you know, in that transition to, from passive to active is about the only thing that I could say I think is pretty pretty much a, a bet that you're going to continue to see that uh, manifest itself with with ever with however this inflationary thing but shakes you out. you know why it's active to passive there's only one reason go ahead because value is actually an asset that matters again the value statement yeah the, the statement i heard last night was um Value. I'm a, talking about value, the anti-momentum trades versus growth. And yeah, profit. yeah, yeah. Here, here. So like, so why would you go to that? So, so, so think of it this way. Because the low and, volatility in those plays, they're steady, Freddie. Free cash flow. So, so think about it like this. So, so, so this is Kim, Kim Carson. I'm hope I'm saying his name right. I, I, it's, he's always got, it's just the way he pronounces different. So yep. like the, he said, when you look at that in an illiquid environment, being able to self-sustain off liquidity, i.e. free cash flow, becomes much more valuable. Yes, yes. And okay. I was like, man, that's a really good thought. Because, really good thought. because when you think about it, why would you rotate to value in the first place? Because they can self-sustain cash flow. Oh my and, God, that's Berkshire Hathaway in a nutshell. Yeah, yes. And in the times of illiquidity, those who can self-sustain become worth more, right? And so why are we rotating to value when liquidity is bountiful and endless? If everything is fine, you should continually be bidding out the prospective growth in the future. That's getting a huge, huge test right now. No question. Which is which is like why the Kathy Wood, you know, theory, the Tesla theory, the I don't even know what it too, it's too long a list. It's totally understandable because in a zero interest rate environment, in a low cost of capital environment in a free, you know, capital is endless environment, then you're going to chase the greatest returns. Those greatest returns are always in innovative stuff because they reset the way we do things and they destruct existing things and then reestablish new things. So, you know, what was a business is now not, and what is created is now the business. Therefore, all the value is transferred. That is highly, ha that highly happens in a low interest rate highly liquid environment well we're couldn't be in a more liquid environment and a lower interest rate environment why are we losing these things and rotating to free cash flow situation 
That's a that's a really good. I'm gonna have to dig into that one a little bit more. This is um, okay to be determined. But right now it's almost. Oh, yeah, the cat left me. She gave up. But um, all right, this has been very thought provoking. Hope you all liked it. Um, we're gonna what? Give me an update. <laughs> Probably never gonna come back. No, right, I don't isn't care. That guy we, do, we, we do it for so many reasons. It is it is intellectually fun and challenging, and you always say something that I have to write down. <laughs> Because I'm track. always like just yammering and you let me And talk, I so. And I like to show my very, you know, nerdy little charts to say, what about this? Oh, yeah, I think so. Now let's figure out if this is going to actually mean something. And yeah. then we've put yeah. it, it's a time stamp so we can go look at it next time. Okay, so hyperinflationary environment is now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put that. Um, but I love the low cost of capital thesis. I think that that has absolutely legs. Okay. And, and, and it's an illiquidity, liquidity, excess and illiquidity conversation, right? Which makes total sense for free, free, for free cash flow, which is like, like free cash flow hasn't been valuable in forever. Who cares? I can get nothing. I can just go get whatever I want and burn it in a trash can. I don't think that's fully lit yet because the VCs are still super flush. So as long as the venture firms are still super flush and the excess returns are coming from the markets, Cute. that means that, that, that those VCs are still flush. And so it's a paradox in the sense that as banks have salvaged and created excess returns, those excess returns go into VCs, which then eat the things. Eat the things. Yep. Right. And then that becomes what gets eaten. Well, what's getting eaten is some of the existing banking infrastructure. So you keep it alive too long, you risk your own demise. Hmm. Right. And it's a, that is a true or uh, roar bors, right? Snake eating the tail paradox, because if it remains ill cyclical, right, then you usher in crazy things. I'm not a bank analyst, but I know that they have to start increasing that ratio that I referenced in regards to loans, um, because that's just that's going to be a, a strike back moment. They they have to do something with all that cash, and they have to help the economy grow. And right now, stimulus well, is a short-term high. It's not a solution, and because it's, it's not because it doesn't create it doesn't create uh, economic commerce. It just creates temporary. It's payments. not productive use of the money at all. It's drugs, right? It's just yeah. it's like giving you something for the pain. So because it doesn't do anything for the long term. I I think that interesting to your point, and I have thought about this, and just now I'm now I'm like connecting the dots. You know the value conversation for some time then you throw in that free cash flow thing and there's less companies producing free cash flow an environment that becomes illiquid don't those companies become worth even more than they would in a normal environment because there's less of them and then on top of that small and mid-sized businesses that actually are producing free cash flow in a world where most of the businesses have become tech driven dumpster fires for cash aren't they worth more money when money becomes illiquid so you know I'm curious, that could play into that value conversation where the value companies become even more valuable, which is totally crazy because like they're no, actually no, bull they, in a bull and they never actually like they never actually even turn over at all as things just get incinerated on this side. It could be like totally because we have done something we've never done, which is to to dynamically sure. stimulate. But it's also to, I was going to say that something we've never done, which is actually, you know, in this administration to care about the real economy. So maybe this stimulus isn't really a productive use of money, but it's trying to get into at least 
the hands of the consumers and potentially the zombie companies can, I don't know, emerge from the dead. <laughs> the, 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 highly, the, the, the thing I wonder is the highly leveraged, right? Like the highly leveraged stuff, it's fine as long as you can continue to roll, roll, roll debt, roll debt, roll debt, roll debt. And then the, and the, and the, and the, and the counterparty holding the debt, it's not in their interest to, to roll you, right? The wrong way, because then they're stuck with a bag right um so that's all that senior loan stuff i was looking at bkln and it's gone nowhere closed lower than it's open for like four months now every day and it can't get any more traction into that stuff i but haven't dug through i don't even look at them anymore because they're not representative of the credit markets anyway well, there's no credit market because they're not lending and, and then also the, there's no credit market because they're not lending it doesn't it doesn't pay to look at that the, the etfs they're also highly subsidized by the fed to, so. to an extent too a lot of that is held up to your point of um uh the oil and gas space so there's a significant portion of that that's oil and gas that yep. which has been which has been remedy right so um i don't know i don't know this is super this is super like uh new frontier vanguard like gotta have a uh, ability to swivel a little bit and kind of keep your eyes open because like, I think that we're dealing with a lot of different, different dynamics. Um, and, and I just, I sit there and I'm like, all right, I'm not like, I haven't, you know, I'm right here in this point in my life. And I've seen like the 2006 deal and I saw the 2018, the, uh, late 18, early 18, late 18, 15, early 18, late 18, 2020 situations and you see the reactions to these things and you're like okay and now we're sitting here and you're looking at at, at some of this stuff and you know if it looks like smells like real I'm life right? I, i'm not there yet i'm not with you I, I completely i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that it I is love, i'd love to think about it though i i will i will we'll revisit next tuesday we'll see what's going on with seasonality um also kicking in with the go in may and all that stuff which by the way is a is is a misnomer it's really make it through july and august and then sell so i hate the summer months of trading the liquidity dries up the a team goes to europe or the hamptons or i don't know what and they just tell whoever's left don't wreck anything don't let it get away from us either so it just goes sideways and choppy mess but um we got to get through may 1st and um speaking of sem um that, that you just talked about with the cash flow theory he's gonna be on thursday he's gonna be mm -hmm. my guest captain interview on thursday I haven't announced it yet but he is and um that should be awesome he's got a fan club because of his um prognostications with vanna and Ga gary and a whole bunch of other options oh he's on thursday he's on thursday oh my god that's awesome yep. that's so, great yeah you should help me interview him that'll that if you're free that would be fun because you have Let's see if i can do it yeah that'd be awesome and um he's gonna come in with his i don't know if he's gonna share his model probably not that's proprietary but we could ask questions and get around it <laughs> But I, I like the cash flow theory um, a lot. Hyperinflation, I got to warm up to it. Let me she say goodbye now and I'll feed the cat. Wish you a great afternoon. When anything new on the Big Tech um, site, options matrix, do a plug. Oh, we're doing the mobile app right now. It's awesome. Um, that's a huge improvement. We're doing a we got a bunch of feedback from everybody, which is great about how you want this packaged um, and how you want it delivered. And we're going to package it we're continuing to uh load in stuff um that's coming hot in like uh, we're like the scans are getting um uh 
you know, further categorized because we keep building based off what people want. Um, so this is the thing is going to continue to get enhanced, enhanced, enhanced over the next couple of weeks. And then we're, we're um, making this whole thing even easier and easier and easier. Like the, uh, so especially with the mobile app that's, that's coming. I, I can't stress how like simplified that becomes like, so I, love I think you have a web yeah. pop-up, you can get a push notification you can get an email. I mean, what is the pulse though? What's the, Oh, that's the, that's a, that's a, the, the pulse that you can kind of put anywhere in there. It's like kind of your yeah. feed. Right. I, so, I think this is awesome. you know, you can, you can build this out, you know, holy, all you want. We've got, uh, we've got, um, uh, tons of tutorial videos coming out. We've got, um, we're putting those in multiple languages. We're working with a group that's created an incredible, um, kind of artificial intelligence software that um, helps create corporate tutorials and things like that, where you can put it in multiple languages and um, wow. present it to everybody. Um, so that's coming out next week. Um, it's just, it's going to be constant, right? It's okay. constant. We're trying to work with everybody. So any feedback people give us, um, we're absorbing and please do. And um, we're, we're, uh, we keep plugging away, right? You know, startup you have all the energy to do it too and um okay so that is that's it we're gonna be done I'm now crazy we're gonna and be I'm done crazy. now all right <laughs> go <I'm crazy. laughs> thank you right. and uh thursday um we'll do it again four o'clock and if you yeah let me see if i can get there i have no idea awesome. i gotta look at my calendar but that's a great catch that's a great 